welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and there's not much of me voice left lads because I've just been to Veerstrom's pub, the sponsors of this fine and wonderful podcast since the very beginning and I was watching the All-Ireland Gaelic football final with some of the OGs of uh, Nordic Gaelic football and indeed of the Stockholm Gales and we had a brilliant day all together and it was capped off with a Dublin victory and watching James McCarthy win his ninth All-Ireland medal and Stephen Cluxton and Mick Fitz winning them as well and it was just amazing altogether but it was an absolutely brilliant day in the best Irish pub in the world lads not just in Stockholm and not just in Sweden and that is with apologies to our very good friends down in Fagans which is of course the second best pub in the world but Veersum's pub in Gamlastan was where it was at today the lovely Martin Hessian, we had booked a couple of tables there. Uh, the Belle Tara O'Neill had booked one table and Colin Courtney had booked the other. And it was, we were in the little back room there, if you know the pub. And it was brilliant. You had Kevin Carroll was coming in, first day of his holidays. And Donald Buckley was there from Kerry, as was Colin Courtney, who founded the Stockholm Gales with me. The, the great Liam Kennedy was in there, a man who was playing hurling in Sweden long before they even knew what hurling was here. Uh, but a great history in the Stockholm Gales there as well indeed he played with us in our first tournament down in Copenhagen a good few years back uh, who else was there Kieran O'Reilly was in there and Brian Burns was in there and the lovely lovely Lisa Bruton Helstadius and her uh, beautiful husband Pat two wonderful people all together that we just don't see enough of uh, we had Joe was there as well and I'm thinking there was like there was a whole bunch of people showed up uh, Joe Corliss turned up from County Mayo and we gave him a bit of a slagging which we shouldn't really do we should be nice to Mayo people because they're not used to this thing of winning All-Ireland Finals but uh, he was very good natured about the whole thing and basically loads of people who have either been on this podcast or listened to this podcast indeed one chap I never got his name actually <laughs> he was chatting to him in the toilet and he was going oh you're the fellow with the podcast aren't you I can tell by your voice and it's always cool when people tell you that but not when you're trying to wash your hands and you don't know if you're supposed to shake your hands or not <laughs> but it was a chap from the north anyway terrible noise fella altogether and it's lovely when you hear that when you get that uh, feedback out in the wild as they say uh, the Irish in Sweden podcast if it was going to take a break it kind of hasn't really happened at all during the summer so we just kept bringing you podcasts um I hope you enjoyed the one last uh, last week about uh, living in Vecra and working with uh, Gavin down there and working in, in Copenhagen. And if you haven't listened to it, there's some very interesting stuff about how laws are made and EU law and how that actually affects things like the, when we talked to Ivan Keane and the other breweries, uh, the Uncharted Brewing Company and Kieran Blake and his uh, brewery there in Slingness and how these things all affect it. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that because you were abroad or you were in your summer house or whatever, uh, do check that one out now because well worth a listen to. It's very fascinating altogether uh, people are starting to come back lads they're starting to return from the holidays now I know Kevin Carroll's only on the first day but people are starting to arrive back in town and they've been in Ireland and they've sat staring at the rain pelting off the window in Waterford I see Keith Hearn was doing that over the weekend uh, and some people have been out foreign and I hope you you have enjoyed your summer and I would like to stress that it is not over yet it is the 30th of July and by law there's still ages left in the Swedish summer lads you don't have to start taking the job seriously again until the kids go back to school I don't make the rules lads but that's just how it is right so 
keep chilling out, keep taking it handy. Whatever work you have to do, get it done. The kind of work that would be nice to get done, that can probably wait, right? So take it handy. Have the last few ice creams now. Put on the last few pounds uh, before you go back training with your local Gaelic football team in Gothenburg or in Stockholm or in Yavla because uh, there's going to be a tournament coming up there soon as well. So all going well. There's going to be a little internal tournament for the Stockholm Gales on the 19th of August. So we're hoping that as many people as possible can get down and watch that. It's going to be at Scarp next EP and there will be more about that before the event actually happens. A big shout out as well this week to Michelle Cotter. Uh, of the Stockholm Gales Camogie team, right? So Michelle has been sort of setting that up as a sort of an independent entity. It's like the continuity Stockholm Gales. And the Gales have been getting together and they've been practicing their roll lifts and they've been practicing their striking. And Michelle went off and was part of the European County Board team, as far as I know, at the GA World Games in Derry. Uh, which is fantastic. It's brilliant when our our club members, you know, from any club in the Nordic region, get to represent uh, the whole region of Europe because it just goes to show how strong and how well respected the clubs up here are. And Michelle is such an absolute powerhouse when it comes to camogie, and she has girls coming in from all over the place uh, who are learning the game, and they're really looking forward to playing a few tournaments now towards September, October. But as I say, we've heard from her before on this subject, and we're going to get her back on again because a lot of things have changed in the meantime. I might actually see. If I can talk to her for next week's podcast maybe because A, they could do a little bit of help with the funding but B, they could also do with more women playing the game so we might get Michelle in to have a little bit of a chat about that uh, before we go any further this is a community supported podcast it only exists because you do and uh, if you'd like to support it you can go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and you'll find all the podcasts I do there the Irish and Sweden podcast the Global Gale podcast Premier Swedes and Arrowman in Stockholm all on that feed and who knows there might be other podcasts coming out there lads it's cost the same regardless if you could contribute a five or a month that would help me greatly I would as I've said many many times on this podcast and the Global Gale podcast I'd love to get to a stage where <clears throat> I could be independent, right? Which means not having to worry about, you know, the great people who already employ me and that kind of thing because you never know when things are going to change in the media business. And the more people that can spread this podcast and share the podcast and share the other podcasts I do and support it for a five or a month, the easier that's going to be. And it means that I can dedicate more of my time and my energy and my effort to doing that, right? Uh, if you want to swish a few bob to the show, if you don't feel like signing up for a five or a month, that's grand. One, two, three, two, four, two, four, one, six, six. One, two, three, two, four, two, four, one, six, six. And the other thing I'd say to you is, if you're having big events or that kind of thing, if you're one of these uh, big wigs who has an Irish company that turns over billions of euro every year and that kind of thing, uh, you can always contract me to, to do events and to monitor panel discussions and all that kind of thing. And that's the same thing as supporting the podcast, lads. By throwing me a bit of work in that way, uh, you know, as an MC or that kind of thing, that also supports what we're doing here. And indeed, these are always things that are of interest to the community. Uh, before we get in to this week's interview, and this, this is a dinger altogether, lads, right? Graham Reggie Reynolds. Uh, you will have heard from him on the show before when he qualified to represent Sweden at uh, for uh, in fly fishing, right? So he's on the Sweden team for fly fishing. Absolutely fantastic bloke altogether. He's been out competing. I think he came second in the Swedish championships there recently, right? And sometimes you say, oh, you know, second, oh, you know, would you not be winning in that kind of thing? Look, it's so difficult to win at these things, right? It, it's everything. It's weather, it's look, it's fish, it's the kit you use and everything else. Second is an absolutely brilliant achievement, right? But if you look up Graham Reggie Reynolds on 
Facebook, uh, you'll find that he has a GoFundMe, right, for the Swedish Fly Fishing National Team 2023. You can also go to GoFundMe and just input the Swedish Fly Fishing National Team 2023. And if you have a tenner or a fiver or 50 quid or your aunt's inheritance lying around and you want to contribute, please do, because the lads need that money to go and, and compete in various different competitions. And one of the things that Reggie does as well is that he promotes Irish businesses and he promotes tourism to Ireland for fishing as well, right? So that's why, you know, it's not like, you know, you're just giving him a whole heap of money for pints that he can go when he talks about the one that got away. That's not how this works at all, right? But he does good work in the community and he deserves the support of the community. I get loads of support from the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. We'll be hearing from them soon enough uh, about what they're doing for the autumn and indeed from Veerstrom's pub. Uh, again, a huge thanks to Martin Hessian, who's just the greatest guy in the world. Best pub in the world, lads. Best pub in the world. No discussion. Anywho, let us get on with the interview for this week, right? And uh, this is an interesting one, because it was a reach out from the embassy, right? The embassy are great people now, because they're kind of... Uh, the, the podcast, to use the corporate term, is now part of their workflow, right? So if they hear of something or somebody interesting, uh, they will let me know about it. And this was kind of instant, right? When uh, we got into the whole thing, they just mailed me, and they said said, right, uh, th- this is going on and we want you, you know, th- this might be of interest to you. And I went, okay, so that's uh, something that would be very, very cool with altogether, right? And it is to do with Pride, which is coming up next week, right? So in Stockholm, on August 5th, uh, Pride is taking place in Stockholm. And as part of that, we have an Irish drag queen who is taking part, right? Uh, the drag queen goes under the name of D-Bug, and that was all the information I was given. And I went, y'all got to get me Debug on this podcast, right? So I got Debug's email address and I got him slash her down to the studio. A couple of weeks back now, because we put this one, uh, we got this one into the, the can, so to speak, in good time. And then we thought, okay, uh, when should this go out? And obviously the thing to do is coming up to Pride, right? Now... I know that there's, you know, people listen to these podcasts all the time and they hear me, they kind of know the kind of thing that I stand for and that I try to be as liberal as I can and as tolerant as I can. And I know that's not the same for all of you. I know an awful lot of you don't agree with uh, some of the things that I think or some of the things that I say or that kind of thing. And that's fine. Nobody has to agree with anything I say, right? But what I do think is a good idea is to let people tell their own stories, right? Whether that be Paddy Looney talking about horses or Ivan Keane talking about brewing or Martin Hessian talking about beer storms or D-Bug talking about being a drag queen, right? And I have to say, in the Ireland that I grew up in in the 1980s, and this came into focus there recently when Sinead O'Connor passed away, she was a great advocate for gay people and for trans people and that kind of thing. Um, it, it came into sort of sharp focus for me with her passing, you know? And when we grew up there, in the 80s right it was a totally different time and gay people like i mean i've often said on podcasts before where i've spoken to lgbtq plus people that you know we were afraid of our lives of being gay right and i tend to see these conversations as an opportunity to learn right not that uh, connor slash debug has any responsibility whatsoever to you know that my ignorance is my own problem right but i find it very very useful to talk to people like connor uh, about uh, being a drag queen, about the whole vibe around it, like the whole history of it and that kind of thing. And I find it very informative. And, you know, you can think what you like. You know, that's entirely up to you, right? But I do think, as I say, that it's worth listening to people and talking to people and seeing if we can make world, make space in the world for as many people as possible, whether we agree with them or not, right? Uh, if you want to take part in Pride, it's... Uh, let me see, what was the address that they were giving out there? Now, I had it to hand and I just put it out of the way there. Yeah, uh, if you want to 
take part in Pride alongside the Irish uh, Embassy here in Sweden, uh, you can send an email to events at d uh, sorry events Stockholm at dfa.ie events Stockholm at dfa.ie and if I'm in uh, the city on st- on Saturday the fifth next week, I'll definitely be taking part in it as well because community is not just about the things that I do and that I like. So it's not just about the Stockholm Gael soccer teams and the Gaelic football teams that kind of thing or the GEA in general, right? It's also about supporting one another, right? It's about going down to see Stockholm Exiles or Hammerby Rugby if some of the lads are playing or Long Holman or anything else like that, you know. So if you can get down, do. And, you know, you, know, you might be gay yourself, uh, but if you're straight, there's a good opportunity to find out about these things because I've often found that people are very generous with their time and their knowledge and indeed their patience when they're talking to lugs like me about this, right? But that's enough of that. Let us bring on Debug onto the Irish and Sweden podcast to talk all things drag queens and pride and Stockholm City in the summertime and all of that good stuff. God, where to start? I have it's Friday evening here in Stockholm, and I have my very own drag queen in the studio for the first time. Connor, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. All the better for having you here. And we're talking to you because you're taking play uh, part in Stockholm Pride as a drag queen, right? Yes. Is that the, the parade is happening on the fifth of August? Am I right? Yeah, around midday, I believe. Around mid. Oh my, geez, we're getting times. We're not getting just lion days. as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> super. Um, I suppose the obvious place to start then is how does one become a drag queen? How did this sort of occur to you that this is something I would like to do? I mean, a cruel twist of fate, generally. Like, uh, nobody <laughs> walks into it willingly. It's usually pain and torture. Uh, but no, for me, like, I think my first time was when I was back in college. And I was in my last year of college. Like, oh, you know, and there was a local competition in the on, on the sports bar or whatever. Like, oh, Miss... I went to University of Limerick, so I was like, Miss UL. Okay. I was like, I could do that. <laughs> and I had watched RuPaul's Drag Race online for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I noticed how it was. Like, okay, so I kind of have a rough idea what it is. And so I just entered it on a whim and I won the competition. I was like, huh. And then I just kind of like, oh, I have to go back to my studies. So I I didn't do it. And then it was mostly when I moved abroad and I had nothing to do in my spare time. Like, maybe I should do it a bit more. So it was kind of here and there. I was kind of practicing like, let me try to learn makeup. Because I went to college for engineering. So I was a very different background to creative and all Jesus, this I don't know. know. I have two daughters. They've seen plenty of engineering going into their makeup. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's more technical than it seems. Um, but then it's just kind of like, you know, tipping the, the toes in the water. It's like, oh, let me try, you know, um, the, the, the makeup and that kind of stuff. But it was mostly like when I moved to Sweden mm. and, the, you know, the pandemic happened. I had a good job. That I was like, oh, I have money to actually invest in a hobby. And I, I wanted a hobby that wasn't computer games. Mm. Um, and then I started practicing how to do like, you know, the sewing and, you know, the, the wig and the makeup. I really wanted to invest in like, okay, let me just go full hog into this thing. Mm. And then I learned all the tips and tricks throughout the years of watching videos and seeing how other people did. It's like, oh, yeah. And me, I'm always very much the person, if I see something, I can do that. And then I fail. Like, I can do it better. And that's kind of so I basically like I, I kind of give myself this inflated self of like, you know, ability I do not have. And then I eventually get there. And then, you know, so it's that kind of drive. like. Be better, be better, be better, be better. You know. There's something very Irish in that going, ah, oh, yeah, Jesus. No, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that looks easy. It's only crushing your lower ribs for four hours. I can put the course <laughs> on. That's fine. Like, you know? Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I kind of got into it more and more. So the pandemic was the time where I really got invested in the skill part of, like, you are stuck at home for mm. hours. 
no one can go outside. What do I do? I'm like, let me just order. <laughs> Amazon exists. Literally, I was like, well, I'm more of a wish person. I wait the four <laughs> the four weeks for the cheaper stuff, you know. Um, but I was like, that's kind of where I was like, okay, let me start learning how to sew and how to do like the makeup and the wigs and all this kind of stuff. And kind of my current character, which is Debug, kind of started to really kind of fluff into a level. I was like, oh you're actually pretty decent at this now. Because beforehand, it was a bit like, everyone goes through that like awkward phase of like, where makeup's not good and everything looks a bit bad. Mm. Until I was like, oh, there's something here. And yeah. Like, oh crap, do I need to learn how to dance? Oh God, no. Like, yeah. So it, it's kind of a spirals into all this, like, until you get a, a proper fully fledged drag character. And like, okay, now it's ready to hit the scene. Yeah. But the pandemic was still on, so I had to wait until it was kind of dying down to really make my entrance of, debug five years after my first time of doing it yeah you know, so tell me about debug because debug i'm guessing from your background in engineering and computers and you mentioned gaming and that kind of thing there does, does a computer reference in debug uh, right? most definitely yeah so but i kind of always said like you know like if something goes wrong you have to kind of debug and find the issue yeah and i always thought like well i don't know how good i am so i kind of saw myself as the blue screen of drag it's kind of like you know just like it's going to crash your computer like you know she's a virus you don't want um and, and i always had a penchant for like blue hair so i was like it kind of tied into the, like Okay, what would be a... And usually a good drag name is always a pun of some sort. Mm. I don't like the name, which is kind of like, you know, the very much witness protection name of like, Vanessa. Like that, no, that's not a drag Says name to me. Yeah, yeah I was like, that's a, that's a woman's name. I was like, for me, I like, I always think a drag queen name that has a pun is very funny. So I'm like, okay, technical things, okay. Well, I, I think there was loads of different ones, like, you know, like um, uh, Start Your um, Motor and like all these kind of technical things. I was like, these are not, these are me. What am I? I am a gamer. Mm. So like, oh, well, I crash games a lot for some reason, so... Okay, debug, D. Okay, yeah, debug could be a woman's name, D. Like, you know, and then I was like, well, maybe it's Deirdre Buggington the third. Like, you know, I was trying to finish. I was like, she has to be Irish too, but also like modern Irish. So I didn't want to go into the full like stereotypes of like ginger hair and like you know Galway shawl. Yeah, Colleen Jasker. Exactly. Thing, yeah. I was like, Ireland is like the technical like hub of Europe. Like, we are at the forefront of all this stuff. I was like, it goes so well with this modern Irish drag queen that would be also very technically enabled, like, you know, good with this computers, programming. I was kind of very interested in, like, wearable robotics and that kind of stuff, you know. So to me, it was all this kind of combination of, like, this is what Debug is, you know. Mm. She's cyberpunk, Y2K, modern futures, but then a touch of the Celticness when I want to kind of explore the more ginger and that kind of stuff, but always with, like, a modern twist, never, like, the full traditional kind of way yeah it's it's amazing because what you're describing here is a character who has sort of grown out of an idea in the university of limerick and yet now this is like it's a fully fledged alter ego a person who is she you know like who do you think of you mentioned some of the traits there and some of the the background to her if i go to see debug perform you know what what can i expect there a refund um no the uh (laughs) so yeah it's uh to me it's kind of like uh i always say like it's kind of a I, you know how you, you always see those adverts online and they'll try to get you to download whatever they, anyway they are, like the algorithm works? That is debug, a chameleon. So depending on what, I always make my own outfits and my okay. own makeup. So depending on what song I've picked or what look I have, you're going to get a complete experience. So I have like a very nice like 70s look that I'm, I also go back to Ireland to buy my fabric because it's cheaper. So I go to the upholstery <laughs> stores and buy like literally what should be on a couch. Not even wish could be to no, Irish no. country uh, fabric stores. The, the fabric outlet in Kildare, I go every single time I can, you know, um, but you're going to get basically a, a fully realized thing. So some people like, drag is a, is a wide spectrum of mm. what different things is, you know. For me, it's very much like I want you to get a full experience of like this person has the full idea of outfit makeup wig if i'm giving you a 70s song you're going to see a 70s person so i like to shift based on what you're going to get and i I can dance a little bit it's kind of you know it's very much like a well some people describe as 
intense orienteering because I'm just running around the place. Um, but that's what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to get something that's, uh, it's hard to explain, I fully realize, but debug to me, there's always a bit of wit and comedy in it. Mm. So I remember recently, like we were at a, a, a drag event over in Nolan, which happens once a month called Taco Hey. It's, it was a, it's a great show. It's the, what got me my first performance in Sweden. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the whole night was about tropical so I was like, oh, well, everyone is going to go as leaves and flowers. And I'm no, that's not debug. Debug is f- high fashion, but funny. Mm. So I decided to make a look based on lemurs. So I had a massive ponytail with the ring tail. Thing. Like, you know, that whole thing was, it was conceptual in a way that's still very fashionable, but a bit more of a thinking intellectual funniness to it. And that's what you're always going to get with debug. You're going to get the Irish wit and humor, but in a very high fashion look, mm. which n- n- people usually put in a box of like, you're pretty or you're funny. I'm like, I can be both. Yeah, I'm going to show you how to be both. That's kind of that's what you're going to get to be debug. It's um, talk about creating problems for yourself, right? Because yeah. you know, you know, when you get into this, it's kind of like you know, when men go and buy things, right? Say a man goes and buys a camera, right? Yeah. What's the next thing he does? He buys a better fucking camera, exactly. right? So, did you find yourself sort of getting in? Like, if you look back now to that night in the University of Limerick and the first night you dressed up in drag, do you look at that and go, Fuck, "What was I thinking here?" Um, I think it's more like. The principles were there, like the makeup and stuff like that. It was bad. I watched a YouTube video of a famous drag queen and I was like, I can be her. And I thought I was her. But it's like I, literally in 15 minutes, I could be her. Oh yeah, literally. I was, like, I was like, I can do the quick makeup. Like it, it looked like I had rubbed a Mars bar all over my face. Like it was just, but makeup back then was a different, that was 2000 and, tw- no, 2014 maybe, 2015. Yeah. Um, makeup was in a very different stage. And and since then, I've learned, like, oh, there's actually a thing called skill and time. So now mm-hmm. I don't try to look at someone else's face and recreate. I'm like, but it has to work with your face. So you, I've heard it with the whole post of, like, learning, like, but what works for me? Yeah. I can't be, if someone's got a razor, you know, French model cheekbones, I don't have those. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. So that was why I was trying to copy people. Like, oh, every drag queen, a leotard. Because, you know, that's what every sexy young person thinks a drag queen always has to be. And I was like, but now I'm kind of like, that doesn't have to be my flavor of drag. You know, yeah. so I said, it's more like they, they, the, the, the ideas were there. The execution was maybe not. But apparently I won. I don't know how because I looked awful. But apparently I did a good performance, even though I did not know what I was doing. Hmm. I was just kind of like, maybe if we do it like this, that'll, they'll find that thing. So it's always trying to perform to please the crowd yeah. and not really caring about what I wanted to be. And that's what I've kind of learned since. Be like, you know, what is my expression or my idea that I want to convey and they will hopefully love it without me needing to change it too much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the first task here, if you like, is to entertain. Like, always don't has. bore people. You don't need you know. to be pretty or, or have good outfit. As long as you're entertaining the crowd, that is what a drag queen has to do. Hmm. If you look better, people be like, oh, there's more like a mesmerizing, like, oh, that's so beautiful but you might be really boring on stage. Mm. And as long as you're making the crowd love you and they're looking at you and they're entertained and they forget where they are, or they forget that sometimes you're a man in a dress, mm. that's all you're doing, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, it's basically like, some people would say like, it's kind of like, drag queens are the clowns of the queer community. Yeah. You're just there to be entertained. And mm. that's the job. And some, nowadays, obviously, drag has shifted. So sometimes you can be like really good at photo shoots and models on online and Instagram and influencer stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people are very much like live in stand up comedy or singing. There's a, in the entertainment thing, there's so many different ways you can take it. Mm. But uh, most time you're kind of, it could be at a brunch or at a, at a nightclub and you're just performing a lip sync number for a few things or maybe singing live or maybe doing things. Mm. It depends on what's your kind of flavor of drag. For me, I just like dancing a little bit and making people like, you know, laugh. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that in terms of makeup and that kind of thing, you have to find something that works for your face. Yeah. Now, it may seem churlish to point it out, but right now you have a beard. Yes. Is that part of debug? Is that no. something that disappears when you go and drag? It used to be. I was like, I was like, oh, because you can have bearded drag queens. We have one or two very beautiful bearded drag queens in, in Stockholm alone. Like Brenda Mandler is a bearded drag queen in Stockholm and she looks mm. gorgeous. Yeah. And you come to sometimes forget the beard, even though it's, you see it, your brain doesn't really, it just kind of drowns it out. But I, I like the, I think it's more the transformation between me out of drag and in drag. It's a very stark one. And most people do not recognize me out of drag. And people yeah. that I know closely do not recognize me. And I'm like, thank you. That means I'm doing a good job at hiding the face, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't, to me, I don't really see an issue. It's just more like, I was like, oh, I just want to have a nice smooth face because it's a better canvas to work with. Yeah. But sometimes I like the idea of like, well, you know, it's nice to have a beard too because I don't want to shave it because I look like a 15 year old child. Yeah. Without it, you know? So for me, it's kind of like... When I'm, I'm just lazy. That's yeah. why I have this. <laughs> Mostly, I'm like, oh, let me just trim the mustache and go, go good enough, you know? Um, <laughs> but I like I like having a beard out of drag. To me, it's just kind of... I think it just it suits my face, you know? Mm. But it's a, it's, a, it's a very different person, which I, I do like. It mm. gives you a kind of... But to me, Debug and Connor are two different people. Yeah. Even though like they're the same personality. But I think Debug is kind of where I feel more confident. Like, I can go in front of people and dance and perform on stage. Connor normally would to be in center attention. Yeah. So that's kind of, so it means more like I'm trying to learn more from like, well, if I can do that, I can probably talk in front of people, no problem, because mm. it's the same person. It's just that you have a layer of, I think it's the makeup and wig is a layer of like kind of like a protection yeah. from like, oh, but they're going to see debug. They're not going to, you know, I think that's kind of the part that I'm trying to learn more like, well, they are, you are the same person, mm. but it's just, it's a layer of a, like a, an armor of some sort, you know? Yeah, it becomes like a shield or yeah. sort of a force field or that kind of thing. They're too know? mesmerized to see like, they're just like, whoa, and mm. th- that, you know, where I can do like, oh, I can do whatever I want. If I dance badly, they don't care because the drag queen's dancing. Like, whoa! Yeah. yeah. You, can you sort of disavow that? You know, you go, okay, well, debug said that. That wasn't me. No, 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 no. That, <laughs> that, unfortunately, that's not, how, it works only some ways. Um, <laughs> no, it's very, but like literally like when I'm even like on, on online as debug, Bug. It, you're getting Connor. That's my sense of humor, my sense of thing. That's like I said, mm. just in a different visual wrapper. Yeah. Um, but it's just more kind of like I think that there's a. I'm naturally very introverted. Yeah. And drag queens, some generally, they're not always introverted. They're usually kind of extroverted people because they love mm. energy. Where I get so drained from meeting people. Um, mm. But as with the drag queen, it's like it's like oh, you know, I'm performing, I'm loving it. But as soon as the thing is over, I'm like, I want to go home and not talk. <laughs> you know, it, drain, it drains all the energy out of me. Th- this is the thing, right? And it's something that I've noticed, like, you know, a lot of people would have described me as being very extrovert and that kind of thing. But what we don't, uh, my daughter describes it as having a social battery. Yes. So yes. when you meet people and that gets sort of drawn down, that kind of thing, and then you need to go away. And like, you know, so I didn't realize this until the pandemic, actually. And we bought this little summer house out in the forest. Now, mm. I'm usually allergic to not being able to smell concrete. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're there and there's only the birds and you're going, hang on a second, this is not actually that bad, you know? Yeah. Um, do you find that, you know, you, you mentioned having sort of more courage when, you, when you're yeah. in drag and you have that sort of force field, that shield mm. in front of you. Uh, does that then, when you're done with drag, do you find that you find that you, you've become more confident in your everyday life because you can test things and say things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise say? I mean, I, I always kind of like, whatever I would say is debug, I would say as Connor. So it's not really like the, the fear of speaking. It's just more like the fear of, I think like when I'm like, as I am now, having the ascent, being the center of attention, I don't like, because I feel like, no, just don't look at me. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't like being the center of attention, but I like to ex- get a taste of it mm. through the drag queen lens of yeah. debug. Because then she is like, I'm very much like, I put all that effort in to do my outfits and my wig and my makeup and I look good. Look at me. Yeah. D- look, but it's not in kind of like, it's, uh, it's <laughs> and when you're finished looking at me, sod off. I'm going home for a bath. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, that's kind of for me. It's, it's very much like, it's like, it's more, but it's more like I put so much effort into this entire creative process. Yeah. 
hopefully it's worth it. That's kind of, and that's what I do like in most of my skills. Like it's more like, oh, if I put a lot of effort in, I hope it's realized like you did a great job. Mm. But it's never kind of like, you're a great drag queen. It's more like, do you think that all the work that I think I've done is actually communicated? Do you, do you realize how much work this is? Yeah, to quote and Marie Kondo, does this bring you joy? Exactly. Do, do I spark joy? Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. yeah. That's kind of, and that's kind of it. So to me, like it's, it's doing it for a personal uh, goal. Of, like I want to do something that's a really creative process with an, a finite outcome that I'm proud of, mm. but also that people also like it too. And, and that's appreciate kind of, it. Exactly. And that's what I like. That's where the confidence comes from. I was like, usually when I'm gonna, like halfway through the process, I'm like, this is, this is coming to something. Mm. And I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And I, I know straight away, I'm like, this is going to go down well. So I'm always a little bit nervous of like, oh, what if I'm just being delusional now that this mm. is, you know, because sometimes you look in the mirror like, I'm beautiful. And no, it's, you're, you're not, you know. Um, so that's that's what the, the thing is. I like, I like a taste of the celeb spotlight part, but only for that little window. Mm. And even when people come up and they say they, they want to take pictures, I'm so happy. Like, oh, you want to take a picture of me? Yeah. Like, I'd be, usually I'd be mortified. Like, oh, don't, no, please don't. But I was like, no, they're, they want to take a picture with this person that they're obviously very impressed by and that's a lovely feeling and that's the main thing that drives you to do this like you're doing it for the enjoyment of helping others yeah um but there's also a part of it's just kind of like you know like you're having to be like on as we say like yeah, you know, yeah. you just kind of like have to be like well of course and that's not normally my normal personality it's just kind of like so i have to turn up to up to 10 mm. and that's what drains my social battery more you know but it's worth it the, the satisfaction you get out of people enjoying or wanting to, to see you or talk to you it's worth all the tiredness afterwards you mm. know um, the audience that you, that you appear in front of, and I can imagine that there's many different types. You mentioned that uh, Taco Hay thing that happens at Nolan every month. Um, you have people who know what drag performance is at yeah. places like that. Other events, you may not have that. You know, if you're dealing exactly. with sort of you know old bearded football lovers like me, we we don't under, <laughs> or, you know don't understand these things yeah. per se, right? Um, do you find them to be? a difficult audience you find them to be a demanding audience do they you know have they very sort of high standards when it comes to entertainment mm. singing dancing the show that you put on or do you find them to be generous and fair and loving towards you i mean i think it's, it's it also depends on which culture like in sweden it's a very different cu- like in ireland i think like we are very much into like we're a very charismatic nation and we're very talkative and that kind of stuff in sweden it's a very much quieter subdued and when they're please or something they don't always show it so at the nightclub one you're usually at the kind of the part where everyone is like in a good mood they're here to see the drag show they know what drag is or maybe it's the first drag but they have an idea as you said when you're at a brunch for example it's a very different more pedestrian kind of crowd that they're eating also so they can't be like you know slapping and clapping while they're so that's why for notice they're very two different vibes but you have to warm them up so you have to kind of get a bit more involved. Like, so at, on a stage at a nightclub, you're performing and they're just looking at you. In a brunch, for example, like we do at a, at a brunch o hey, the same uh, people that do toko hey do brunch o hey, it's you're walking around the tables. You're mm. performing around them. You can go up and touch their hand, you know, make little like, you know, digs at them and that kind of stuff. It's a lot more an, an interactive and, and some would say almost intimate experience, but mm. not in like intimate, like just more like they're getting to be this close to you. And usually for a drag queen, the rule is stay a meter away because yeah. the, the illusion shatters very closely once you get closer. <laughs> um, and that's a different thing. So you have to kind of warm them up. Like So usually there's a kind of like, a tempo of like different songs that are performed. Like maybe you start off with a little bit slower and you do more high tempo. By the end, they're usually clapping and things, but you always have to reiterate them. Like, 
please clap and make noise. Mm. That's how we know we're doing good. Yeah. But the Swedish audience usually is very timid. Like, when they're happy, they're just kind of not doing anything. They're just kind of smiling along. And we're like, no, scream, take photos. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what you want. You want the energy because the more energy they give, the more energy you want, you're going to absorb and give back to them, yeah. you know? So if everyone's kind of a little bit more quiet and subdued, you're not going to do as much, you know? And it just naturally happens when people are like, scream, you're like, oh, I'm going to give you more then, like, you know? Yeah. And that's what I noticed, like, so the the pedestrian audience, the brunches, it takes longer to warm them up. From a drag show at night, they're ready to go from the first number. Yeah. And they're going to scream and holler because they're, like, here to see people Mm. do crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. I was at uh, Bruce Springsteen recently in Gothenburg. Mm. Uh, 60,000 people. It's like a fucking library. I just go, okay. <laughs> now, when he comes and asks people to appreciate it, then they do it, yeah. you know. But there's people sort of sitting there holding their coffee or their popcorn and that kind of thing. And you're going, okay, yeah. But no, if that was Crow Park in Ireland, the place would have been turned oh, yeah. upside down. The, no, the, the, pro, the show hasn't even started yet and people are screaming already. Like, that's the <laughs> But I think it recently happened with the Beyonce concerts in Stockholm. Yes, it, Same thing. They're like, why are this? Too? But that's how Swedes enjoy mm. content, you know. So it's a very different thing. And it's okay, but you're kind of like, come on. Just loosen up a little bit. And there doesn't even have to be drink involved. Like, even at a brunch, generally, people are just eating. But you're like, come on. It's like, you know, yeah. we're, we're doing this for you. Nobody's you know? watching, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, plus, I'm dressed like this. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me some. I my, my waist is four inches shorter because of the corset. Please, can you just clap for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think I'm actually going to a wedding in a few weeks. I think I might have to borrow that corset. <laughs> it sounds like a brilliant thing altogether. Um, is, there, is there money to be made out of this? Is, that, like, is there a profession? Is there a circuit? Could you go to Oslo and do this, get invited, business class flight, big hotel? thousands of euros as a fee kind of thing is there I don't like I notice like you know when people see drag race in America and and even in the UK like it's a very different culture like drag race is something that people can do every single night and, mm. and they earn tips and that kind of stuff in Sweden most people have to have a day job you yeah. can't do it all the time so most drag events you see might be one time a week or maybe once a month yeah. or maybe every two weeks so I don't know in Sweden is there a way to do it every week unless you're getting maybe big gigs and you're doing it, like you know like maybe if you go to like companies and you yeah. do like a, a bingo or drag you can charge a bit more mm-hmm. obviously I, I can't say how much i would earn um not because of scatter work yet but like just in general like it's 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 enough to like the money you put in you will get back for the performance at least no yeah. um but in terms of like the international like travel it, I, I don't know is it so much a thing in the nordics because usually there's also a periodic of like in summer we're in this pride month mm-hmm. you're going to get drag queens in every corner mm-hmm. there's gonna be so many drag queens but it's not a thing where you get you can probably live off drag in sweden yeah. You have to you have to have a day job, but if in America you could make a very good thing, especially if you go into some the reality TV shows like RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, some queens have made millions of dollars mm. just from doing tours, doing you know things. They always get into other things like makeup brands, television deals, and that's is how you be sm- be smart with your skill. So maybe if there's ways to a- apply it in Sweden, you know, attacking different markets or that kind of stuff, mm. you might be able to do it full time. But no one really has currently. Yeah. Um, there's usually you're always doing like some people are like makeup art on the side or mm-hmm. you know so I don't I haven't I don't know of any queen at least in Sweden that does it only drag only full time usually they're an artist or they work in like something creative too yeah um, that's kind of how it works at least here yeah it's uh, it's interesting because it does seem to be something that has sort of you know it has let's say it has um grab the public consciousness recently yeah. because we've seen in a lot of places around the world where drag performances especially drag performances that are being done like story times and that yes. for children have become very much politicized right uh, is this just a sort of a, a, a warming over of sort of you know previous homophobia is this is that simply what it is and have you sort of come across this have you had anybody have, have pop at you in public or during one of your shows for being a drag queen yeah i mean like i was doing a photo shoot in stockholm and one person came up to me and you know like you can kind of tell the energy of someone straight up but like he was you know coming towards me on a bike and just the look he had in his thing like it's like are you a man mm. and i was like 
I'm I'm a drag queen. Yeah. And not all drag queens are, are men. Obviously, you can have bio queens or female. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's all in between can be a drag queen. But I with the makeup and the outfit, that's way too much over the top. So yes. I, I so I just usually ignore them. And after a few questions, he basically just went away. So that was the only time in Sweden. Generally, I feel a lot more safer in Sweden. Mm-hmm. But I think with the whole thing that we're seeing mostly, and most of these things happen in, like in America first, and they kind of weed their way into like into Europe. Um, I think it's very much kind of a scapegoat of like trying to kind of. You know, like we, I think because of the way that LGBT rights in the last few years have been improving across the country, like, you know, gay marriage and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certain groups feel, realize like, okay, this isn't working. We can't attack them on this front. But they're doing things like, you know, obviously with the, with the children is always a sore topic for people. And they're like, well, that argument would be a very good way to leverage distrust at that community. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's always a veiled one. So it could be like, what is considered drag? Mm. Today, at least in Texas, they signed a thing saying that you're not allowed to do drag in public. Mm. But then it's also like, what constitutes drag? Is it someone who looks like they might be dressing up as someone else, mm. which could then be used to target transgender people? So I, to me, I think it's a lot more nuanced than just, I think the drag queens is an easy one. Because like, drag queen, kids, well, you know what happens when people hang around with kids? And we're like, yeah, but you know what happens with Christians too? That they're, yeah. There's been no drag queens uh, ever like I've, arrested. Have you heard of the Irish Catholic Church? Like, no, and not obviously to, 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 to dump on Christians, but it's very much like um, certain groups of right-wing Christians, especially, mm. um, it's kind of like the calls are coming from inside the house. Mm. There's never been a drag queen that has been ever um, arrested before this kind of stuff. But the amount of law, you know, people in the church, things oh. that, all these people that we would say are like our pillars, should be pillars of a community of some sort, mm. are the ones that actually are doing this. But there's like, oh, never, you can't say that. Yeah. Then why are you attacking, you're attacking the minority group because it's easy. Yeah. And obviously with the drag queen story time, like I don't know if many people, of these people who make these claims have ever seen a drag queen. But if you're a drag queen at night, they're going to be over 18 because you're in a bar at 1, 12 o'clock at night. Mm. There's going to be no children. And there is drag queen story hours. But if you see them, these drag queens are dressed as the most beautiful giant queens with dresses. And they always say, I think there's always a, a, a usually an argument like, oh, but they're sexualizing, uh, you know, in front, uh, things and sexualizing children, this kind of stuff. It's like, but there's also the countries that do children's pageants. Yeah. And that, but that's normal. It's like, no, that is worse than a drag. So if you bring a child to a brunch where they might be doing a bit more, like, you know, like they might be wearing leotards or whatever, usually it's always a warning. Like, it's a drag queen show. Yeah. They're not going to be doing very explicit stuff during the day, but there's usually some sort of thing like, hey, you know, but I know for the brunches that I've been at, as soon as we see a child in the audience, the numbers and the things we have in mind, we're like, we can't do this. Yeah. Because you don't want to make it an uncomfortable or awkward. You, you have to be aware of what the audience and where you are. It's yeah. always about context, you know? Yeah. And I think for people who never went to a drag show or seen a drag queen, they always have this mind like, oh, but this must be something sexual in nature. I was like, no, it's just people dressing up for but a performance. The, you know? the other hard part, not, not hard, but I mean, one of these things, like pantomime. Exactly. Like this has been, like the gaiety pantomimes in Dublin when I was growing up, it was an annual thing. I brought yeah. my own children to see, I think it was Al Porter and Jedward appearing a few <laughs> years ago. And you know, and it's full of that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's the most innocent, fun yeah. thing. It was one of the best times they ever had, you know. But like I say, it's a wedge issue. It's a very easy thing to go, oh, children, oh, drag queens, Must you be. don't want them to be gay now, yeah. do you? Kind uh, of thing. And it's, it's the, the arguments that were made in the 90s against gay people. And then it drops because people are like, that's not the same thing. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, well, hmm, no, we can't really say about that because that's not, that argument's not going to work. Yeah. So let's sensationalize with, like, people naturally have a very, very strong reaction to anything got to do with harming kids. Mm. So it's like, that's a really good way to tie into drag queens. Oh, yeah. And well, that's, you know, that's, I think, I think it's literally just a, a, a subterfuge of, like, scapegoating of, like, mm. 
this is the best way we'll get people on our side. That's all it is. But it's like one of the most famous lines from The Simpsons is from, uh, was it Helen Lovejoy, won't someone think of the children? And yeah. she will say that to absolutely fucking everything Literally. that's happening yeah. because it works. Mm. And this is what America has become now. Yeah. It doesn't actually have anything to do with these things. That kind of no. thing. Um, another thing that now, you know, it's terrible to bring you down here to the studio and then just sit you there as being the president. Okay, you're the expert on all these <laughs> things. I'm going to make you explain them to the Irish community in Sweden. Um, Drag is obviously, uh, it's playing with gender roles, yep. right? And we have this issue of transgender people um, like being brought out and beaten across the head and that kind of thing. Yep. Within the LBGTQ plus community, how are drag queens viewed? How are transgender people viewed? You mentioned that you feel safe here in Sweden. Yep. Do you have transgender friends? Do they feel safe here in Sweden? Yeah, I do have transgender friends. Um, it's it depends. Like I think even as a as I'm not trans myself, but like there's always that fear you have of like, what if someone notices and you don't know what's going to happen? I can only imagine that it is much worse for a transgender person. And the only thing about what's unfortunate is transgender is how you identify and what you want to perceive. Not everyone is always going to have the money like people do in America to visibly change their body. Yeah. So there might be a period where you're you're stuck with the way you are until and you want to transition but you don't have the money which is usually a very big issue with transgender people is financial and the, the kind of support by government and medical authorities. Um, and that means that you might, you know, you might be able to change your clothes or your makeup but, you know, but people seem to only really accept those who what we call as pass so like oh but they look like a beautiful woman that's okay you don't that's not okay mm. and that's what also can make people like they might act out like oh this person's just kind of like different i don't like that um so for me i still had that fear like even though i'm dressed like in shorts and things i would still be worried oh but maybe if i walk like that people might you know there's always that fear i think in lgbt in general as for like the whole community um well trans transgender and uh, drag queens are the ones that really started the marches for in you know and the stuff in Stonewall in, in, in New York. Mm. So they've always been kind of like the pioneers and the things like, you know, if you look at ballroom and the thing is mostly it was started by transgender people of colour. Yeah. You know, so there's there have always been pioneers in different ways of, of this, uh, the things. And it's so people always look up. Drag queens are more since it's more in the now it's become more in the forefront in general media, like RuPaul's Drag Race, it's adopted by the wider even like heterosexual communities mm. and stuff. Then it seems to be like, oh these people are like things to look up to so i think drag queens are more kind of like in the face but a lot of the work and heavy lifting is usually done also by the transgender people and other things like that too um so that's always a tricky topic in general because it also depends on which country in how the laws are how the social self has the history and different countries have different ones um i think it's it's it is yeah i don't know I can't say if like, oh, people don't think, but I think everyone in the LGBT community will always feel a certain unease. General day to day in Sweden, I feel like it's okay, but you always feel like you never know what's going to happen. I feel much safer in Sweden than I do back home, for example. But even in Sweden, I will not take a public transport and drag. I will only take an Uber to that place. And I always have my partner with me in case you never know what the driver's like. So there's always a fear of like having to protect yourself, you know? Mm. Um, And that's kind of it, I think, in general for most people. Um, But in the whole, it's pretty good here. Like, I've never felt like endangered or something mm. but there's always that kind of part like hmm I won't chance it yeah I'm not going to take anything for granted exactly. kind of thing you know um, would you have felt that way in Ireland just as being a gay person in Ireland no. would you have felt in danger there I I, I, I always feel like that, it wasn't the reason why I moved abroad but it's one of those things where it's always like oh I would never like I, I, I don't think I can I can't be at ease at home mm. but my family and that's all most, and most people my age 
it's generally okay. In college, I have no issues and that kind of stuff. But it's always like, you never know what's going to happen, especially in Ireland with our history and like in the way the community is and then the issues rising up and all when like, you know, when homosexual marriage was legalized, thankfully, um, uh, it was still like 55% to 45%. And that's kind of like, that's kind of scary. Yeah, there's and, a lot of you who are telling me who you are right now with this vote kind of thing. Yeah, and, it, and you, like, you know, Mike, I'm from Tipperary originally. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was very on the border. Yeah. And to me, it's never like, you can always say like, oh, maybe it's religious, whatever. But I think a lot of it's got to do with just kind of like, not education, but like, you've never been with these people. You don't know how they act. You don't see how actually, it's not really a thing. Mm. Like, if you're talking to someone, they're not going to be like shoving down your throat constantly, like, I'm gay, I'm gay. It's like, it's, you're, you know. I'm gay and you have to like it. Yeah, and like, it's more, generally, that seems to be kind of what they would like to put in the media. But most people are like, it's just another part of you. Yeah. And some people are a lot more visible with like, you know, being like, obviously with pride, they're happy to be and that's great. Mm. Some people are a lot less things. You, there's so, everything is such a spectrum, especially with the queer community. Yeah. You can't really put them in a box. So, so as you said earlier, the thing you were talking about, like, is drag gender expression. Mm. Some people use it for entertainment purposes, like, oh, like, uh, for me, for example, it's a creative outlook and a character that I wouldn't want to portray. Some people use it to experiment or just kind of, like, say, like, you know, you expect me to be this way, I'm doing this to kind of shake it up a little bit. I don't care about the gender that you expect. It's, so it's sometimes a political counter, and drag inherently is a bit political, because you're just basically saying, like, the norms, look what I can do. I can dress up as a woman. Mm-hmm. Or uh, same with drag kings. But you can also have bio queens, for example, who are people that are assigned female at birth, uh, women, who dress as a drag queen too. So it's a hyper-feminine version of themselves. And that's also a drag queen. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's so much different more categories and most people just see the drag queens and, uh, and drag kings. Mm-hmm. But there's so many much more in between and some people might use it to experiment like, okay, after doing drag for a few years, I felt like, oh, no, this actually feels a lot more comfortable. Maybe I'm not fully male or female maybe i'm non-binary in between mm. so it can also be a, a way for people to kind of explore themselves too you know and that's also a valid way to do drag too uh, so, it can be used for lots of different things mm. you know uh, there's probably a lot of people listening to this uh, I grew up in the 1970s and 1980s yeah. in Ireland where these things weren't talked about mm. uh, I remember hearing Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side for the first time and then I remember listening to it about three weeks ago thinking this is not the song that I thought it was <laughs> in the very beginning you learn you can you can change as you go along it's it's always terrible to ask uh, LGBTQ people this question but can you understand where some of this, some of it is downright fear, some of it is yeah. terror of being gay themselves, some yeah. of it is just homophobia that they grew up with through religion or sport mm. or whatever else. Is there any, like, can you understand that? Not excuse it now, no. but do you understand it? And how how do you deal with that if you do meet it in your everyday life? Do you feel, you know, because this is what I don't want to do, is I don't want to make it your job to educate me, yeah. right? But... Sometimes you know so much more about these things than I do that you can help me to understand them mm. better. Where, where do you see yourself in that? I mean, like, in when out of drag, I'm a, a UX designer. So I work basically, like, how do people's brain work in terms of, like, process information? How do people behave based on social... So that means user experience. So if you have an exactly, app or yes. that could be, right? Um, so, and that, usually I'm working, like, designing screens for, like, apps and games and that kind mm. of stuff. But generally, I'm always understanding how do people work? How do we empathize with our people? And when you go into that kind of... You do tend to see people slightly different. Mm. And as you said, it never excuses behavior, but you can usually kind of be like, well, this is probably this reason. Like, if someone's, like, naturally very, like, narky, like, well, maybe he woke up wrong or maybe he had a bad day or maybe something's happened at home. You tend to have a bit more empathy for these people. I think that people who are not always used to empathizing with people, putting themselves in the other shoes, mm. they're the ones that usually tend to kind of like, I don't like that. That's weird. Because mm. they might have issues with opening themselves up to new 
possibilities, which could be the way that they're raised in terms of like, no, that they're, or if they tried to be any time different, they were bullied or jeered at. And that's why sometimes people project it to try to make others conform to what is their view or what is okay. And that's where a lot of it, it stems. It's not like, some people always have a reason for like, oh, you know, it could be religion. Like, oh, but the Bible is like, well, the Bible says a lot of things that we don't do anymore. Yeah. So that's escape. That's just basically an easy, an easy, easy excuse. But like for you to hate someone, mm. that's another level past being unsure like for example if a person sees a drag queen a lot of people find them intimidating because you see this person who's probably like six inches taller than normal then you know all this kind of stuff and people don't know how to react but it's always kind of like a like oh god you know and some people like they might be like i don't like that yeah i mean it's 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 different and some people reacted different differently you know so for me like if someone's like oh um what you're doing is wrong then i'm like but why do you think it's wrong it's not like like for example when i when my, my not my first time in drag, my second time in drag, my twin brother came and saw it. First time seeing me drag, and obviously he was like, uh. The yeah, fuck is yeah, this kind of Yeah, like, he, like what he's, what he's so used to me being and whatever, and then suddenly this drag queen, very yeah. different. So it's always going to be, you have to sometimes allow people the opportunity to open up to it. Mm. And I think, I, I like, you know, and obviously if people are really like doing the hard, like, like death threats, for example, mm. not excuse, I'm sorry, like you were objectively or maybe subjectively too, you're being a very bad person if you're hating to the point of where you're doing that kind of stuff. Like, you know, so that to me, it's a comment on the character of the person. If someone's like, if someone's like, oh, I don't really know if I'm like, I'm like, fair enough. You know, it might not be for you. Mm. It's like me watching GAA. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of queer people who don't like things like RuPaul's Drag Race mm. or these kind of things, or they don't like gay clubs or music. That's okay. You know, but some, it's very easy to get into the us versus them. Yeah. And sometimes it does feel like it's that, you know, especially with the, the hate coming in. Like, you're like, mm. oh God, everyone hates me. You know? But sometimes you have to realize, well, especially when I go to my, my thing about like my back home, like, would I go and drag down my hometown? No, hell no. Cause, but like, they would never, some people don't know how to experience a new thing without realizing to fear slash anger. Mm. And that's just their default way of doing it. You know, they have to have repeated exposure to these things mm. in a sense that's not scary and normalized. That's how people over time, like, that's actually not too bad. And that's like, you know, when you see people coming to the brunch for the first time, you can tell they're awkward and we're like, we're going to make you have a good time. Mm. And then at the end, they're like, that wasn't so scary. It's like, you know, be, you know, dipping your toe into a pool, like, and don't drown. Like, okay, the water's not bad. Mm. But if you have a bad experience, you're naturally going to react much stronger with anxious or, you know, so to me, like, we don't know what people have had in their, in their things. Or as you said, like, maybe it's internalized homophobia. They're like, oh, but if I like that, that's going to make me gay. And that's bad. It's like, no, mm. you know. I think these are what people's perceived notions of certain things contradict their inner self and the brain's natural reaction to anything new is like fear. Yeah. Because it's the safest response and you just have to expose it over time. And I think exposure therapy by drag queens might be a, one of the better ones. But most people, if they go to the show, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's kind of a good crack. Yeah. You know? It's like, but you're also going to see like, it's a person lip syncing to a song. They're yeah. not singing it. Let's all calm down they're, here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and they might be able to dance. But they're probably just going to be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. You if know? they're lucky, they won't be able yeah. to dance. So It'll be brilliant. Set your bar down to about medium, like, and just like, you're going to have a fun time. Mm. And maybe if you don't, maybe it's just not for you. That's fine. At least you tried it. Yeah. And that's to me like how you try. To, you should experience most things in life. Mm. Keep an open mind. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But don't you don't have to speak bad of something mm. you're not into. And then now I think it could be a, a, a cultural thing of like with social media, people are like, I don't like this. You can have an opinion, but if you share, it doesn't mean that you're going to be free of what people say back to you, you know? Look, this thing of, like, women's soccer, I've covered it for years, right? But back when nobody would read anything. And every time you tweet about it, or not every time anymore, but certainly in the past, every time you tweet about it, somebody would be there, oh, you don't like women's soccer. 
So, well, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. And they're they're like going to take a punch to the face and not roll around the pitch. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that is one. Yeah. But with this whole thing of, of insisting on being seen to tell you that this thing that you like, I don't like that because yeah. that's not me. It's like, nobody cares. Your mom probably told you you were the God's gift. <laughs> exactly. And now you have that self-importance everywhere in life. No. Yeah, get over yourself. Like, you know, the you, world is wrong. we're all nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. we are all not important. So stop putting yourself on a pedestal. Like, you know, that's to me how I do life. That's, that's my life motto, kind of like, just... Everyone's just kind of going along with the ride. No one knows what they're doing. Yeah. The worst you can do is fill out hating on things. It's like, you know. But I think, I think people might also be, um, the, so the fabulousness of drag queens is yeah. that thing as well. You know, this exaggerated fabulousness that they are the only people that the world actually revolves around. You know, so oh, yeah, well. <laughs> they get that idea about it. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, because again, well, you, you are here as the, so the gay expert right now, okay? <laughs> Pride as protest. Yeah. This is a great celebration that's going to be happening on the 5th of August for everybody uh, in the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community here, right? This started as a protest yes. because people were feeling the jackboot on their necks, right? Actually, by the police, yeah. Yeah. So what what is it that if you go to a pride parade, what is it you're supporting? What is it you're celebrating? And I mean that from your perspective mm. and from the, the general person who shows up just to show you, puts on the rainbow flag and shows you that support that day. What is it that we're, we're celebrating here? I mean, I think it's very much like, I, I can I, some because this whole discussion like why is there not straight pride Gabe to me is like when you're a minority that's actively being pushed down mm. and you show people that you're proud to be who you are that can make people more angry so that is where the political statement is like we're happy that we're proud to be this way like you know why don't you also experience life with a more open joyous often joyous way and then when people come here who are not LGBTQ who are like you know the the, the word ally um it kind of shows like yeah. Rock on. Mm. It just kind of is like, it just can feel like there's more love than just also from within our community. Because, you know, sometimes when you're a community on your own and you're only, you know, supporting each other, that's great for the community. But when things outside the community start to also pour in, that's a nicer message. Like, okay, but maybe I don't have to be as scared or as as thing as I, I need to be. I think we're always going to get to the point like there's never going to be a no need for pride. I think it's always going to be a thing that we should do. Because it also, if you can imagine an ideal world where no one really cared if you were queer of any sort. Mm. It's still a celebration of our history of where we came from, too. And that's what you're doing, basically. You're carrying on the tradition, like, we might, we still have to fight across the world and what we're doing, but if it gets better, we're still remembering all the fighting we've done. Mm. It's like, why do we have a St. Patrick's Day parade? Because we're celebrating our piece of our culture and our history. Even though Irish pride, basically. Literally, you know, and it is Irish pride across the world. Mm. And to me, that's how you view it. Like, it doesn't matter if there's... you. It's not that but there's no other pride. It's like, yeah, but you are, when it's the norm, you don't, you, your every day is your pride. <laughs> you don't celebrate Wednesday. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people celebrate Friday night. Um, but like, but that's kind of thing, like, it, it's, it, so it's to me, it's like, it, that is what pride is all about. Saying like, we still have a lot of work, work to go and way to go. It is better than it has been ever, but there are still issues across the world. The best we can show is like, we are still happy, mm. proud of who we are, and we're going to keep on going. Mm. And that will naturally make people angry. And they want to attack it and that kind of stuff. No, so that is the political movement still there. But yeah, traditionally it has been because of like obviously police and laws saying you can't hang around or like oh or actively targeting bars like oh well these people. Now there's a very famous meme Phil about like um some a drag queen called Derek Barry um who's like you know like oh yeah and we have to remember all those people that died at at Stonewall and the other drag queen's like nobody died at Stonewall. And he's like, they didn't? So this kind of like, it's like it, it, it was a protest, but some people like, you know, obviously he just heard Stonewall, like, oh, we're celebrating, people must have died. Like, you yeah. know, this kind of stuff, there's a lot of popular media around, but I, I do think like, especially in America, like it's kind of like land of the free pride and mm. a lot of, 
unfortunately, we do get a lot of influence from yeah, America, you know. Um, but so when things go bad there, it ripples across here. Yeah. So that's kind of thing. That, so like Pride started with obviously in New York, but you can see as it like, well, this is a good way to show support across the world. And that's why we have it here. But even though Sweden has traditionally been pretty good, even though there's some rocky laws and rocky history with LGBTQ Every, Everything is Sweden, relative, yeah. You know, um, they, it's not like, oh, Sweden's great. Now Sweden is, is good, but there it has, it has trouble moments. Um, but it's like, even in our, like, you know, it was things like, you know, uh, Patty Bliss and stuff like, there's always some sort of queer root in a lot of countries, mm. especially when it comes to like the uh, transgender and drag queens, drag kings and the drag community and the queer community. Mm. There's always some sort of, whether it's a subculture or things, but even the people that don't know it, popular media, popular culture has been influenced strongly by queer people first. Mm. And when it when it's been it's taken out and adopted by the thing, then it's like this is okay. And people forget sometimes that it comes from the queer community, mm. you know. And that's always the kind of the issue that sometimes it feels like, oh god, we're like yeah, they're accepting parts of us only when it can benefit or they think it's cool. And that's why we get into the whole thing of like you know companies sponsoring Pride, and we're like. You're going to ditch that Pride logo and not do anything until next Pride. It feels like kind of like, oh, but queer is cool. Yeah. We support you because it's going to be good marketing for us. And that's, you know, that is, so there's a lot of bigger issues with Pride in general, but not really so much the Pride part. It's like when people get involved from the outside, what are they doing it for? They're doing it because they actually support the community, which is what we want. Or do they think that it's like, well, this is good money for us or good for our image. And that's, you know. Rainbow capitalism, as they call it. Yeah, it was, it was when you look and you see that their uh, their Twitter ha- logo has been changed. The rainbow is here in Europe, but in other parts of exactly, the world, maybe like, it's not. I mean, know? like, okay, we know how it's, it's like. You're not going to take a stand. Oh, that's yeah. not very proud of you. Yeah. you no, know? we, we see you. We see you. Um, I was talking to somebody recently, an older person recently, and they were saying, you know, that uh, there's a lot more transgender people around these days. And I was going, no, no, there was always transgender people yeah. around, right? They're just more visible now. And they feel, or certainly felt until relatively recently, that it was safer to come out and to be yeah. who they are, mm-hmm. right? Are you envious of young queer people now who find it easy, or did you find it easy to come out? And did you find it easy to be yourself in Ireland and in Sweden, yeah. uh, which is when you started to think about these things? I mean, I knew since I was four. And I was like, oh, this is not, a, we're just not going to deal with this till we go to college. I, like that was, just, <laughs> that was my teenage years. Postponing this. We're just going to do the leave insert and then we'll figure all that out afterwards, you know? So that, to me, like I very much like buried, like I was never like bad, bad, bad. It's more like, we're just not going to deal with this. So how, I, how hard was that though, Connor? In your teenage years, uh, your hormones I mean, I'm, bonkers I, in this kind Yeah, of I mean, I was, I'm from a small town, so like, you know, it was like there, I think there was one other gay person or uh, who was like in a uh, relationship with another gay person in the other school and they were not, I don't know where they bullied, but the comments about them, like, oh, just we're not going to do this now. Yeah. And most people thought I was just quiet and smart. Yeah. So they didn't even think of, because I was not a very effeminate person. No. So I just kind of like, we're just going to blend in. And then when I went to college, like, oh, yeah, yeah, probably things. But I was still like living with my twin brother who I didn't tell yet. Mm. My family didn't know. And then when I started dating uh, uh, my partner, like, oh, crap, I need to tell people. Yeah. So I, don't, I told my mom first. I'm like, mom, I've got a boyfriend. And, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Not really? No. <laughs> they just, they, they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no. I thought you were just quiet. Or, or creative. Like, no, this kind of words, like the Irish words, like, no, no, we're going to say creative. Sensitive. Yeah. And then my, my twin was, uh, my twin, uh, he's like very supportive, but he was like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, well, I was kind of scared you about it. And he'd be like, never. Like, you know, so he was, yeah. he was more shocked is that, he a raging heterosexual though is he oh yeah he's like he's like, he plays rugby he, he doesn't play rugby anymore but he was like rugby sport. i was music you know i didn't do arts but like i still like appreciated that kind of thing you know yeah. I, lo- I love music that kind of stuff you know and i love very much into video games that kind of stuff so we just seemed kind of like oh you're the geek and you have the more sporty person that was kind yeah. of the twin dynamic you know um 
but yeah, he he didn't even thought for a second. But he was more like he was he wanted like why didn't you tell me? Mm. I was like. Yeah, because you're a teenage boy and then all teenage boys are like that's, they're that's gay <laughs> you know uh, bums to the wall like this kind of stuff you know, and to me like I never like oh, that's just teenagers being teenagers but nowadays I'm happy that they don't really have that issue mm. and that's the, that's the way you want to be and I, I hate in general when people are like but I had a part of my day that means we've made progress mm. they don't have to have a hard because you had a hard they should have it easier and that means you're doing well. Mm. To me, that's... Uh, it's called progress. Literally, <laughs> like, you know, so that to me is like, it's like, it's like, they don't really feel scared of coming out. I'm like, great. That's what you want. <laughs> so I, I would never feel envious. I'm like, thank God we're moving somewhere. Like, to me, I'm glad, mm. you know, um, but also it's, it's kind of like, I'm always like, oh, but I, 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 like, I grew up, my teenage years was just when Facebook started. Mm. So social media was a kind of thing. There was like Tumblr or whatever. Nowadays, I'm like, oh, but what are they exposed to? And like, mm. they have they have so much more media now, which is great and that kind of stuff. But then like, are they more likely to be cyberbullied? And this, you know, all this kind of stuff. So to me, like, I'm like, they probably aren't having the same hardships as we had or the things we have, but it's probably in a different form. Yeah. So maybe it's more conform. Like I have to conform to a certain image of being queer mm. that I'm not. You know, I think there's, there'll probably be different problems based on the kind of the generational part and culture at this point in time. Mm. But maybe they find it easy to come out, and I hope they do. You know, yeah. Um, that's that's all. Like you can. You know, so I would never. I would never feel envious. No. Mm. I know some people would. Like, oh, but we did it back then. Like, yeah, because it was also. It's ten years ago. That's a massive different change. Like we, mm. our, we we just just had touchscreens. Yeah. Like, you can imagine what was different. Like I was born in ninety four, ninety four to, to two thousand fourteen. Like okay, now we have touchscreens. That's a massive change. I remember growing up. Yeah. You can only imagine how thing is changing so quickly now. Since now it's a lot more of an internationalized and globalized world. Yeah, yeah. They they see everything happening. Like so, they're also more exposed to the worst parts of what happens to queer people than we never saw because mm. we only saw what was in the news. Or maybe you might see a small thing on post on Facebook, but they're seeing a lie on TikTok. Mm. This person's getting beaten for being queer. And that might make them feel more scared, you know? So we didn't have as much exposure back then. And that's kind of, you know, we saw on TV, like, you know, and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I remember the, I was very much in the tail end of the whole, like, you know, oh, but AIDS. Mm, yeah. And now I hope it's not even a factor. Obviously, there's preventative stuff, that kind of stuff now. But that, I was saying the kind of like, oh, but you have to be careful because you don't want to die that. And like, and now, you know, so I, I got, I got the tailwind of that. So that's where a lot of the fear came up. Like, mm. oh yeah, but if I find someone, what if I get AIDS? Yeah. So, you know, but nowadays I don't think they have maybe as many fears, which I hope, because it's a lot got to do with shame and the, not just Irish, but in general. Um, so yeah, there's a very different time growing up. But for me, like, I didn't really feel bad for mm. keeping on the down I'm like, I, I mean, I can sort this out later. Mm. But as soon as I was like, because I went to college or university, Two weeks after my seventeenth birthday, so I started very young in university. Okay, yeah. So I was like, oh fuck, okay, oh, no, I know. Okay, so if okay, I like someone, time to be gay. <laughs> yeah, like okay, but even then I was very like touch the waters. Like okay, hmm. I start by watching some TV, and like okay, I found something that I, I like. I was like, I should probably tell my family. Hmm. Okay, and then then like oh well, three years are like maybe I can try drag. So I'm very much like, I was like, tip the water, tip the water, tip the water. But I've also had no queer friends up until I moved to Sweden, generally. I had some people online that I talked to that were things, yeah. but only in Sweden the last few years, I've actually have queer friends I can talk to mm. daily. And that's never been my case. So uh, before I moved to Sweden, uh, there's no queer people in my life. Yeah. So I was very much like, okay, well, I watch TV and I kind of see and I see people online, but these are not people that like, maybe see someone on Twitter that you tweet to, but it's not really things. Mm. Um, so for me, I was very much, like, I was surrounded by straight people always mm. um and that was kind of like so to me like now i'm like i still have to learn like to be more comfortable in, in like, that environment kind of you thing, know because yeah? i'm like all oh, these people are so confident and so sure of themselves and i'm like 
do I do I have to be that way too? Yeah. You know, it's like kind of like it's like Shit. a delayed like, puberty yeah. teenage, like, oh, who am I? Do yeah. I like you know? So that's kind of where like now I'm much more like I said, no, it's just I am who I am, you know. Um but it's it's still still learning to be kind of like, yo, yeah, no, but if you're not used to it or you haven't exposed it, you still have to kind of open up again. Like, you know. When when your mother said that, no, surely not kind of thing, you know. What was and again, this is not a question you have to answer if you don't want to, but what was her journey towards acceptance? Like, does she accept it now? Is she happy for you now? Oh, so, like straight away she accepted. Like at the time she was l- super loving. She, she yeah. was just more like, it was just a shock. Like, really? Yeah. Because she had she no idea. It at all. Like, no, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it was, never, it was never a point of like, like, oh God, like my mother is the mo- my biggest supporter. Like mm. she is an amazing person. That was my brother. Like amazing, amazing. Um, but the, uh, it was just more a shock. Like she didn't really think of it. But then mm. she's like, hmm. But then I was like, it's because I'm a fountain of testosterone, mother. Like, no, but it's just more like, I think because my personality is so quiet naturally. Yeah. If I was a more of an outgoing, maybe more personable person, maybe they'd be like, oh, I can kind of, but since I always kept myself and I was very much like my entire teenage years, like, okay, dinner's done. I'm just going to go on my computer, play some games and be alone. Because I just, well, I had more comfort in myself. Yeah. So I naturally just kind of rescinded to myself. No, I had friends at school and that kind of stuff, but I was very much like, oh, I don't really have anyone, anything in common with people here, but they're nice. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll find my tribe in college. You know, and it's not saying bad about where I grew up. It's just more like when you're when you're a teenager, you kind of are friends with people you grew up automatically. Yeah. And yeah. there's some people that I still like. I love them. Like they're I would everyone I grew up with were lovely people. Yeah. But you know when there's like, but I don't feel like a connection with anyone. Like same interests. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm just gonna rescind to myself and play games online. You know. So that's kind of. So I don't think that, I think that's probably where it came from. The mm. point that they did just never guessed because yeah. I was never really a. I was so introverted. I just kind of said joined for dinner, had little talks, went to school, came back, and just. Did, did you think that was it? Yeah. yeah. So that's probably why. The fifth of August at around about midday, it's Pride. Um, obviously, you, you would like people, you know, from the gay community to turn out, which yeah. they will. You'd like people from the straight community to turn out. With all these things we've talked about, right? With the fact that maybe you didn't feel or don't feel at times comfortable at home in Ireland, yeah. wandering around the streets, doing drag performances, not wanting to take public transport here, wanting to take an Uber instead. What can people like me do to help you, right? Because I don't want to be. Uh, that kind of sort of pandering, you know, sort of, you know, patting you on the head. Yeah, that also can get it. So so obviously that's not what you're looking for. Oh, it's okay. Everything will work out for you. Nobody wants that kind of thing. But what can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? Do you need me to speak up? Do you need me to row in behind you when somebody's having a go at you on Facebook or Twitter or or Instagram? Or are you sort of happy enough to look after yourself and just know that, you know, I'm there in the background somewhere? Yeah, I think it depends for everyone. I think it's it's more like, like, you know, like you don't need people to fight your own fight or to be offended on behalf of you. That is the one of the worst things when people are like, oh, you can't say that because that. I'm like, who talk, why are you saying that? Mm. That's a lot of people naturally have that thing. Like it's more, but it's more like just to be, I think it's to be celebratory. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, like, sort of like drag queens are different. Like obviously just liking a photo of a drag queen or sharing it. They're like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, this kind of stuff. And for me, like, you know, it's, it's if I see something that I like, I will, it's just a little word like, oh, it looks great. Or th- these things, like, you know, or just like a little symbol, like great. But I think some people feel like they have to go over the top, which sometimes makes it feel more disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. But it's more like, say for example, like, you know, you have people that you know that might like a, dra- uh, a drag show or a queer event, mm. telling them like, hey, there's a thing that I heard about that you might like. Mm. That is supporting the thing like yourself. Um, or like, no, again, you know, maybe if people are into, into charity and donation, like there's always things to help that kind of stuff. But it's more like, you don't have to always be like the the message warrior and like fighting the good fight. Mm. You just need to support what things are by making like, especially when it's, if you know people who are queer saying like, there's things that you might like 
and there's a community for you. Mm. And just being open, like, you know, being open to the stories, looking at the kind of thing, being aware of what might happen, you know, or what's happening in maybe back home in Ireland, what's happening in Sweden. And just kind of like, you know, or maybe like, well, yeah, maybe it might be cool to see something like, you know, to, to go see a drag show or something. Like, now people are not in nightclubs, but like go to drag bingo at the Blue Oyster on a Wednesday. Like, you know, there's lots of different things you can just kind of tip your toe. And like, and like down in Gothenburg, Malmö and Stockholm, there's ways to encounter this community, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, maybe it's like supporting queer artists. If you're into art, maybe to take a look like, well, maybe there could be something that would be interesting. Because sometimes people, especially in the queer community, are not more financially sound mm. due to the the way you know life or so you know like also sometimes the like, op- opportunities are not open to us mm. naturally and not always through discrimination just it's it, it you know it's just naturally what the community sometimes faces it's like maybe supporting something simple like supporting a local artist mm. you know like that you know is a queer things or maybe if you want to go for a drink going to uh, like you know the uh, a queer bar and having to support a queer business mm. those are more like you know it's like a, a small action is better than a few words online yeah, but if Facebook. you see people actively being super bad against things sometimes a bit of support is kind of like hey why are you being such an asshole mm. you know that's kind of that's all that's needed you know mm. so i think some people feel like they have to do too much and then it just feels kind of disingenuous like, it's better to have support than no support at all but sometimes it's kind of like sometimes a quiet support is yeah. the best support. Measured yeah. is what we're looking Exactly, for you know? Yeah. Spe- speaking of things that are measured, what is the, what's ahead now for Debug? Do you have any sort of plans for, we're talking in the summer of 2023, where would you like Debug to be by Christmas of this year? What oh my God. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, my, I mean, the the Pride Parade, like you, you may see me with a certain part. Who knows? You can probably put two together um <laughs> uh, and that's gonna be a, a big thing for me to kind of like because to me like i've always been like abroad like oh i'm this irish person debug is you know it's yeah. just it's, it's so irish it's not even funny um but then to kind of be seen by other irish people because usually i've been away from the irish community yeah yeah and then so no nothing really from back home they don't know what they'll be so for to be kind of recognized by the irish people like we want you here mm. That's going to be quite nice for me. Like, you know, like, oh, I hope I'm doing the Irish prouder. Like, oh, we have someone over here that's like, you know. Flying the flag. Not panty bliss, but like, you know, it's kind of like, it's very much like, it's like, oh, we have someone over here that is uh, uh, something that we can look up to, you know. Because yeah. I mean, you never know, like, it could be anything like, or even Irish queer people that move over here, like, to you know, like, oh, there's someone here that's also like us, you know. Mm. Um, but I would love to be on, if there is a Drag Race Sweden season two. Mm-hmm. I've, that would be a very cool experience because I wouldn't I would do it to kind of there's never been a drag race queen from the Republic of Ireland mm. we've had three from Northern Ireland but never been for queen from the Republic so to be the first one in the drag race franchise would be a very cool thing I think you know I demand <laughs> that this happens there'll be a letter writing campaign that would be spamming the yeah, producers of the whole but life. we don't know when season two or if it's going to happen like there's a lot of talks about like so that would be I think it would be nice because that would be like okay there is a, an Irish queen on this franchise and to showcase, like, you know, like, uh, I always worry, like, that people see Ireland as this quiet man Ireland. Mm, yeah. And John we Wayne. are, a be- we do have the beautiful traditional aspect, but we are a very, very beautiful modern country, too, mm. at the forefront that people don't realize, like, you will find Irish people at the head of a lot of industries across the world. Because mm. we are very talented, educated people, too. Mm. And just to show, like, yeah, but, you know, we are also cultural, music, art, whatever. Mm. Irish is our powerhouse for so many reasons. Mm. And we bring that where we go. We usually kind of, you know, we, we come, we contribute to the, the area we go in, but we also sh- always share a little bit of ourselves. Mm. And for me, it's kind of like, uh, but I would also love to do something back home mm. for Debug to perform somewhere in Ireland. 
that would be very cool to say like, hey, you saw me seven years ago. I looked a lot different. Now I look a lot better. This is who's representing the country abroad. That would be very cool, I think. Um, so that's that's what I would like. I, I tried to take debug. I'm being smart business and what's happening, but I'm very much like kind of like I'm just taking it easy. I'm mm. gonna, I'm not I'm I'm because I also work full time. So I'm mm. but I'm like we're gonna take it and we're gonna evolve and be smart with debug and see where we put her mm-hmm. that people might not expect or that if it does happen they'll be glad to see her hopefully that's kind of what i hope so i hope when people see debug and the best place is through instagram you'll see all my pictures and that kind of stuff they're hoping they're like they're like oh this this is a cool this is a good a person to hopefully represent a taste of ireland in sweden because i also even though i am i'm irish debug in her current form was birthed in sweden mm-hmm. And I, I love Sweden and I, I feel, see myself living here things, but I will always be a face, an Irish face, mm. you know? And I like the blending. Like, so when I'm doing a lot of stuff, it's blending Irish humor with Swedish references. Mm. And it goes down very well because I think Irish wit is one of the best wits in the world. We are so quick witted and very things, but to bring that with Swedish references, so it's palatable and digestible by the local things. Mm. That's kind of what I like being. So, like, you know, people kind of, they naturally gravitate towards the Irish. We, mm. we naturally have an energy that people either find it reassuring and homely or people just think like we're kind of mischievous and cheeky, which we are. Mm. And I think that's a good also face of Ireland too, to represent like the culture of we are naturally a, a, a people of storytelling and conversation so when you have that in a drag queen, in a country which is naturally reserved, you're going to have some fun. And that's kind of what I hope Debug will do, basically to make people kind of like, oh, Ireland's kind of fun, or Irish people are kind of cool, because mm. Debug's kind of cool. That's what I would love. That alone would be like, we're doing great. Fantastic. August 5th, Pride here in Stockholm. After that, the sky is the limit for Debug. Yeah, you might see a big ginger-haired tall woman, because I'm only five foot nine, but Debug's six foot two. I don't know how. She doesn't <laughs> happily is. Um, but uh, she's like the, the third Shoga sister. You know, that's kind of what I say. Like, she's like, you know, maybe one day on Irish TV would be very cool. (laughs) The magic of being a drag queen. (laughs) Connor, thanks so much for coming out here and talking to me. There you go. That was indeed Connor slash Debug taking part in Stockholm Pride from around about midday on the 5th of August. Events Stockholm at dfa.ie is where you can go if you want to register the fact that you would like to participate alongside our good friends at the Irish Embassy. That is all that we have time for this week, my friends. I, you know, I probably could have added a little, little bit more, but that interview with Connor was so fascinating that I'm looking at like an hour and 10 minutes now and go, holy Jesus. Like they don't have the time. They're not in the hammocks anymore, lads. They're not just sitting out there by the water looking for something to be, to be listening to. I shall leave you with that. Uh, I hope you're having a tremendous summer, as I say, and I hope that I bump into you in the very near future. Hopefully, we'll be travelling up to Yavla now soon enough for a bit of an old Gaelic football tournament, and I'll bump into even more of you as we go on our travels. In the meantime, look after you as ourselves. Look after one another, and I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast because you know what? You deserve it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>